guys it's Ray here thanks for tuning back in to the interrupting sports podcast a podcast promoting positive change for the next generation by the next generation this is season three episode three being black in sports business featuring Marsha Gay Knight a great interview here for those of you who are unfamiliar with Marsha Gay Knight here's a bit of a background there for you Marsha Gay was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica. She earned a full athletic scholarship to the University of Mary in North Dakota, where she was a sprint hurdler. Marsha Gay has worked as a sports marketing professional for over 10 years with notable companies like Mosaic Sales Solutions, Rogers, and the National Hockey League. Currently, she is a partnership marketing manager with CBC Sports and Olympics, where she works with production and partners to weave brands authentically into the Olympic story. So Marsha Gay was very busy when it came to this February's 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, but that's not all she does. Marsha Gay also believes in supporting community initiatives, and she's recently founded Black and Sports Business, BSB, that aims to connect and encourage the presence of Black professionals in the sports business industry across Canada. She's also a part-time professor at George Brown College, Ryerson University, and Humber College, where she leverages her experiences to educate future sports professionals. As a strong advocate for diversity in the industry, Marsha Gay is also a member of the SMCC, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, COC Emerging Leadership Mentorship Program, and founding member of the Women in Sport Social Club. As you can see, Marsha Gay is decorated upon decorated, qualified upon qualified, the queen bee when it comes to sports business, absolute delight and honor to have her on this show. So I hope you guys are super excited for this interview because it's a great one. So let's dive right in. Hey guys, this week joining me, we got Marsha Gay Knight, guys, a proud Jamaican, former NCAA sprint hurdler, a notable sports marketer and professor, and let's not forget the founder of the Black and Sports Business BSB Initiative. So get comfy, guys, and listen up because we got another great episode for you. So thank you so much and welcome to the show, Marsha. Thank you so much, Brandon, for having me. I'm excited to be here. So thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. We're we're really excited to have you. The list goes on. I know we we had our, our connect uh, late last year, but the list just goes on with, with everything you're up to. And I knew from that moment, I'm like, I have to have Marsha on the show. There's just A, B, C, D, A, F, D, everything <laughs> has to, it all applies to everyone. And I'm like, everyone's going to love this. So excited for you to share your experiences in sports and how that relates to what we got going on here with interrupting sports. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm always about interrupting sports. I think sometimes the status quo gets us kind of boring sometimes. So we need to shake it up a bit. And if this is what it is, then let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's let's start a little bit wherever you'd like to start on this on this standpoint. <laughs> but I'd love to just if you could give our listeners just an understanding of your relationship with sports, because there's a lot here, you come from an athletic background, mm-hmm. you're a sports marketer also have teaching with professing on the side. So I'd love to just give a summary for that for our listeners. 
Sure, absolutely. So like you mentioned, born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, I think Jamaica is known for its development and production of sprinters, right? So me not being anything different, I grew up in Jamaica running track. But the funny thing is I wasn't very good at it. Um, I wasn't good at it at all, actually, for years. And it wasn't until like probably grade five or so when I tried it for the track team for like the third time and didn't make it. And my coach was like, oh my God, I'm going to throw this girl a bone because she's just not going to make this again. And I got my first chance at actually doing it. I, I did long jump for the first time at the national championships. And that was when I, it changed for me because track actually gave me an identity at that point. I was no longer somebody who was trying to figure out who I was. I was somebody who was good at this. So I think um, one of the things that track did for me was give me that sense of identity, give me that sense of drive. If I worked hard, I could get better because I saw that if I worked hard, went to practice and trained, I could get better. So I went to high school eventually got a track scholarship. And I'm like, well, maybe this track thing is my thing, you know, after a while. And then when I moved on from there, I went into university and things change as you grow into a young adult. And you thought you're going to be a lawyer because your parents were like, you know, you're Jamaican, you're either going to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, or you're going to be a disgrace to your family, either one of those four options. And so I did pre-law in college, but sport for me has always given me that sense of who I am. And I'm like, I can't neglect that because it, it drives me, it fuels me. So moving back to Toronto after graduating with a pre-law undergrad, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to be a sports attorney. I guess that's the way of me bridging the gap. But intern at law firms, I'm like, just kidding. We're not doing this law thing. It's not, it's not for me. So luckily for me, the George Brown program um, the sport and event marketing program, which is going to come into handy later on in the story, was very helpful in me transitioning and understanding the sport business world in Canada. Coming from the US, coming from Jamaica, I didn't have an understanding of what the sport business world was really like. And I got my first taste of that. So I really contribute that program a lot to my, my trajectory into the industry and realizing that sport, not just for entertainment and enjoyment, was actually a business and an area where people can thrive in. So I found that connection between those two were great and I was able to like get in granted it took me a while to figure it out but um I got in I learned a lot more and now I guess 10 years later I'm able to see that there was something to the whole idea of even though you might not start the greatest how you end it is very is way more valuable because I didn't start off being the best athlete I didn't start off being a good sprinter but I ended up being that way and likewise for my journey professionally it was the same kind of experience for me that's amazing no thank you for that rundown that last part you mentioned there, I really like that, that you said that, you know, you might not have started off on, on the right foot, but it, it's where you land that that counts. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to just dive more into what is that process look for you? How, how do you go from starting at something that you want to do that you're not the yeah. best at to landing that later on? You know, it's funny because in one of my lectures last semester, there, there was something that they said that you must work harder on the things that you're good at and leave the things that you're not so good at behind. And I agree and I disagree <laughs> at the same time, because if you have a passion for something and you know that deep in your soul that you're supposed to be doing this, it's purpose-driven for you, but you're not necessarily the best at it, why would I stop doing it? Why would I not continue growing and cultivating that passion? So I think a lot of people get into things thinking that it's going to just kick off. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. And for me, that's what I thought too. I thought I'm going to do this postgraduate program. They're going to see how I'm absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to work at MLSE and I'm going to start my life. Urgh! Wrong answer. I, up to now, I can't get a job at MLSE. Shout out to MLSE. 
but it's just one of those things where it wasn't a straight line for me in any capacity, but you, you get on this, you get on this train saying that I'm supposed to be here. And it's that drive that says that passion inside of you, that burn that says, this is what you're supposed to do. You might not be great at it yet. You might not be able to knock it out of the park, but this is what you're meant to do. And I think people get confused all the time with their ability, with their, with their purpose. Sometimes your ability and your purpose don't align until you cultivate it. And I think a lot of people, especially myself, naively hop into this thinking, I'm going to just knock out the part, but you have to really grow and develop and, and, and do that. It took me 10 years. And obviously, Rihanna, like even now, I look at my life like, well, I'm good at marketing and sponsorship because that's what that's like where I kind of wanted to end up. But it doesn't limit me from being good at other things. And that's that's what BSB has taught me. That's what teaching has taught me. Yeah, I'm not a monolith, but if I have this passion and I have this desire to do something else, I should probably pour my pour the opportunities and pour the learning into it to see what can come out of it. Um, So for me, it's always been like, all right, we're going to work the sports thing. I don't have a blueprint. I've never seen anybody do it. But this is what I know I'm supposed to do. So let's just start somewhere. We're going to trip. We're going to fall. We're going to make a couple of mistakes, but we're going to learn and we're going to grow and we're going to keep going because you're not supposed to do anything else. So <laughs> we're going to say, if I'm not supposed to do anything else, I have to keep going at this. And then from there is where that resilience and that perseverance will, will blossom into other opportunities. I really like that answer because as you're as you were sharing that I was just like thinking back to just other people I've talked to or even my own experiences and the one thing that's always in common is you you just got to jump like you just got to do it it doesn't even matter yeah. if you're like say you know you're a mediocre talent or mm-hmm. you're awful who who it doesn't even matter at the end of the day if you're not putting both feet in you're never going to be great Absolutely. Right. And so it's, it's understanding the fact of what you, what you said there in the understanding the difference between abilities and purpose and understanding that mm-hmm. you can love something so much, but if you're not going to work towards it, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. And I think Absolutely. there's, there's like, it's almost like a dreamer mindset. Like you can dream and there's, it's great. You should, it's a part of goal setting and a part of Mm -hmm. motivating to get there. But if you, if you never take the steps, you can dream all you want, but all you want. Yeah. I mean, Kobe encompasses that so well. Kobe Mm -hmm. is a fantastic basketball player. That's what he always wanted to do, but he worked and he worked and he did not stop working at it. So even though he wanted it, even though he had the talent for it, he had the ability for it, he still had to cultivate it. And he still had to push himself and, and have that desire and that hunger to fulfill that. Because if you don't, I mean, people tell you all the time, like, it's great to have a dream. It is fantastic. But you have to wake up and do the work to get it. (laughs) You're not enough to have it alone. Agreed. And I think, you know what, that's, that's where the difference lies between those who are successful and those mm-hmm. who I wouldn't, I'm not even going to say unsuccessful. I'm going to say those who are successful and those who are unhappy or unfulfilled. Okay. And unfulfilled. the reason I say that is I think people, it's no secret that you have to do the work. People just don't want to do it. And I think it's having platforms like this and others to inspire people to do the work for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important take and I I'm I'm curious um 
to see if there's alignment with with you and and what you're doing with BSB in that in that notion. Oh, geez. So BSB for me, <laughs> my little baby, right? Um, BSB came out of an experience I had working in the industry where I felt like if I had a community of Black professionals who understood what the, the struggles and, trial, and the trials were in that space to support me, motivate me, maybe I wouldn't have gone emotionally off the rails like I did, or maybe I wouldn't have felt as consumed by the experiences I had. And I made a promise to myself in a very low moment that remember this feeling, I remember how low you feel right now, and promise yourself that you're going to do something about it so other people who are going through the same experiences don't have to feel like this. And fast forward to 2020, in the silence and the stillness, and you remember the promises you make to yourself, because you know you have time to think in 2020, because we all had time to sit and reflect. And I said, there needs to be a space in the Canadian sport market where Black professionals can connect and develop and help each other. And I was very surprised, Rihanna, that there wasn't one before, to be completely frank, because I thought that maybe I missed it. Maybe I, I wasn't a part of this secret club, but I did my digging and it wasn't there. So I found a gap in a situation that needed to be that needed to be honed. And I reached out to people who are way more important than me. I was like, you know, you should start this. <laughs> and they're like, no, I don't have time for this. You should start this. I'm like, no, no, because I don't I didn't think I had what it takes to to do this. But enough people were like, no, you got it. And they believed in me enough and they supported me enough. So I, I just pulled the trigger. And a year and a half later, here we are with um, 200 plus members in the group. We're still meeting. We're still growing. We're still helping. We have the mentorship program and even like talking to the members. And one, one of the my favorite things to have them from a feedback perspective to say when they come to meetings, I didn't know there are so many black people in the space. That's all I needed. I just needed y'all to be aware of each other and what each other is doing and building that community. That to me is like the biggest win. I, I can definitely attest to that because right. Like if I went to any sports business event and I could have played top dollar for event and you know, the panels could have been okay. But if I jumped into that event and I saw more than three black members or frankly, any more than three BIPOC members, I would Mm -hmm. be not only satisfied, but over the moon and let alone talking about a program now that has 200 members and counting. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, and counting. It's, it's honestly like, I can't even process that. And that's horrible. <laughs> that <you can't, laughs> like, and that's the point. And that's why it was necessary. Right. It's so necessary. A hundred percent. And you're right. And, and we're, we're talking a Canadian market right now too. Mm-hmm. And compared to a, a market where if we're looking at the US, you know, it really doesn't compare from a sports business oh, yeah. lens. And so, you know, if, if you're then talking about the future and you're growing this into a platform that's that's North American wide, you know, that's thousands mm-hmm. of people. And, you know, having that 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 mindset of thinking about those people, I'm wondering, like, is that like a vision for you or are we is a, is a Canadian market? Like, what's your your end goal? My end goal for this, to be honest, blue sky, let's, let's throw it out there because sometimes you have to throw it in the universe. I would love for BSB to be a Black talent incubator for the future. I want to see more Black 
people aspire to work in sport and entertainment in, in the sport business in a real way. And I'd love to be able to create programs and build things out that we could you could be like an extension of an, an organization that says if you want if you're a black talent and you want to get state of the art training, state of the art networking, and state of the art connections, this is where you go. Like ideally, that's what I see for it, and I would love for it to be Canadian sourced, similar to like how Drake and The Weeknd make and Justin Bieber make Canada such an important space on the map. I'd love for BSB to be somewhere where black professionals from Europe are like, I need to get my hands tapped into this because this is the space where black professionals can develop in sport business and become absolutely phenomenal in the space and just do a mind blowing things. I love that. That would, that sounds like, like a dream. And we said dreams are important. Dreams yes, are important. Are. And more importantly, it's being worked on. So mm-hmm. we're not just sitting here hoping for that blue sky actually taking the time to put in the work to get there step by step and you know you mentioned that you want black individuals and and young adults coming up to want to aspire to work in sports business that's really what caught my ear because there's an understanding here that black individuals may not be looking to this industry and I'm just curious to know, why, why do you think that is? Do you think it's strictly a, a notion of exclusion and, and a feeling of discrimination? Or is there something else that's, that's deeply rooted there? There's two things working at it. The first thing is the notion of exclusivity in a sense where probably you don't belong here because representation is not there, but mm-hmm. it's the lack of awareness. I think a lot of young Black people are, genuinely have no idea. And I was one of them too. Being an athlete you probably think the extent of your career is going pro or going home, right? You don't get the understanding that there's more to it in the business side that you can explore and that you can invest in. And I think BSB for me has been that area where you're like, do you guys know? Because even the other day I met someone and forgive my ignorance, like he works on the area of graphics and design for NBA teams. Of course, when you go to the Raptors opening stuff, you see all these pretty letters and all these pretty things, but you never think that there are people behind this bringing this to life. So understanding, knowledge, awareness, like bringing people, like if you don't, if they don't know where they can go, they never reach, right? You have to give people knowledge so they can know what they're working with. If people only thought that they could only do one thing, they'll keep passing to that one song. You have to give them an array of things. And I think being able to educate young people as the, to the different pockets and areas that, that actually exist so they don't think that it's either selling tickets alone. There's a whole facet for that, but there's also a whole area of sponsorship. There's also marketing. There is like design. There's like, there's, it's a plethora of chances. And I think we miss that by not having representation there to carry back the news, but also not having the awareness on the other side that they can have a place at those tables. No, a hundred percent. I think you're right with the having a place at the table and that notion that like, Hey, like, you know, I, I can go for this um, if I want to, because I think it, it, it circles right back to, to where you started mentioning, like it's either you make it or you don't. And I would mm-hmm. even add to that and say, the positions that you do see that aren't on the field, on the court, on the track. So coaches, sports casters, uh, and mm-hmm. GMs, everyone put it together. Oftentimes you really see that they're successful pro athletes that are now retired. So it's also yeah. 
like, hey, can I even make a lateral move if I don't even make it? Right. It, it's also like that kind of notion. It's not even just like it, it entering the space, not being mm-hmm. an athlete and going to the business side, but it's also having been for lack of better words, failed, unsuccessful athlete, right. Making that move to having to leave sports, right? Like you don't have to Mm -hmm. leave. You can be successful in other avenues. Absolutely. And I think one of the most powerful things that Masai said recently, because you know, he says a lot of powerful stuff, but even him saying that him being the only president of our NBA team is embarrassing. I co-sign that it is embarrassing. It's not to sh- sh- put shame on anybody, but the fact that we have a league where, what is it, 50 to 70% of the players are Black mm-hmm. and leadership is what, one or 2% of like Black people. Like we need to really look at that in a really evaluative way. And when he said that, I said, I'm happy he said it because yeah, coming from him, it, it carries so much weight. But being able to see pathways and creating networks and having people sponsor and co-sign you to move forward is so important in creating people and leaders like that like Masai couldn't get there on his own he had people to carry him so if we create a community that can help carry you we can create more leaders in those spaces and it no longer becomes an anomaly it becomes normal a hundred percent there's like the data doesn't lie but also stories don't lie when we're when we're reflecting this you know and it's it's unfortunate to say that although many people will listen to this and I'm sure as they do they'll nod their heads in agreement Mm -hmm. and then that that's where it will end though yeah I yeah I agree you know we need to have more representation okay and end of conversation and and scene and that's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so we're, we're doing a great job, I think, at least especially since the start of the pandemic with increasing that awareness of, hey, problem, like, look mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. This is an issue. And people are like, OK, we see you. OK, next day. And I'm like, no, like, thank you. But still a problem. It's still a problem. And also it's not just my problem because I'm, I'm in it. It, Mm -hmm. you should also be making it your problem. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect there, right? It's like, oh, well, like I'm not a BIPOC member. I I support. Yeah. Like, of course, like I would love for you guys to move up and hopefully you do. Well, you're also in a position where you can help, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think there's, everybody has a role. And it is to help each other and bring people up and support each other, Correct. should you so choose, right? And I think that, that that doesn't change when you're classifying people based on age, based on socioeconomic status, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. The point is, those are the people who are, are at the center and mainly affected, but it's understanding that network, everybody they're interacting with, everybody who aligns on that pathway that needs to support them to bring them up. What, yeah. would, you, what would you say to that? I feel like similar to what you're saying, Rana, there's an ecosystem, right? And like in nature, everything plays a part. Like in any other social system, everybody plays a part. So you can't turn a blind eye to something that you know is wrong when you have a chance to make a shift to make it better for somebody else. We are not made, and I think 2020 has reflected this, humans were not made to be insular and isolated. 
we were made to connect. We were made to be connected to each other and we're made to build a community to help each other move forward. No one ever moved forward on their own because that's virtually impossible. So if you see an issue within your community, let's call it the sport community, and you choose to be like, yeah, I'm good, you're not helping it move forward. You're only hindering it from progression. So everybody plays a role in making sure that it's sustainable, it's developed, it's it's inclusive. Everybody plays a role because yes, there are going to be people who, there's always a struggle of the haves and the have nots. That's a Mm -hmm. constant. Mm -hmm. But what we're trying to do is not erase that. We're trying to close the gap. We're trying to close the gap. I think it's very utopian of us to act like race will never be an issue. Mm -hmm. But what we can do now is ensure that the fallout of it isn't detrimental anymore. We can now be conscious of it and be like, yo, I know this is a thing, but what can I do to close that gap? What can I do to make it better for somebody else who doesn't have the same opportunities, advances, and resources as me? What can I do? And I think it's fundamental to understand that you helping me doesn't take away anything from you. I think people have that in their head. Like me helping this BIPOC person eliminates, you're still good, bro. Like you're still good. So you need to understand that helping each other takes nothing off of us. And we it's not, it's not a scarcity mentality, it's a selfish mentality. And we need to shake it to be able to move forward together. I completely agree. I think the theme of that is really progress, right? Like the goal mm-hmm. is, is, is progression. We're not saying eliminate, you know, we're like, you're not going to kid yourself. We, we have realistic expectations here. And, you know, that would be a, a perfect world. But for us to get to a perfect world, we would have had to start there. And we didn't. Yes. So we didn't. because we didn't, you got to work with what you get and and, you know, what you're handed with. But I really, really completely agree with you. One of, I think, my greatest pet peeves hearing in mm-hmm. the DNI space is that when we're talking about any sort of minority kind of talent initiative or role and position in recruitment, that it's taking away their job. And when we're saying there, we're talking about anyone who's not BIPOC, and that means we're talking about white people. And the reason I say that is because it it upsets me because all that it means is that they don't understand why those systems have been put into place. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what they have. So you're saying to me, let me, let's, let's let's try. I'm a visual person. Let's try this now. So you're saying to me that you have access to a whole cake, right? And a slice of it is allocated to somebody else. Just because you can't see how much cake you have allocated to you, you assume that they're taking away from you they're not taking away from you you have access to way more <laughs> than this one slice so giving this one slice to somebody else allows them to to get a piece of cake too that they probably wouldn't have had because they don't have anything so when you're used to having everything something being taken away is a threat mm-hmm. and that's what it, that's how it immediately is visualized you just assume that everything will just continue being given to you because that's how it has always been so when, so immediately when somebody says, no, I'm going to give it to somebody else, f- alarms, flags, serious problems, but you don't realize that you also have a plethora remaining because you're so fixated on what you're quote unquote losing. And that's not the case. That's exactly right. And I think there is work to be done with, you know, changing that, that mindset that mm-hmm. you are, a, a good one is 
for those who take on those positions, for those who the BIPOC members who take on those roles. Oh, they're a diversity hire. Why is that a bad thing? That is literally the solution. <laughs> That's part you know, of the solution. I, that thing aggravates me so much, Rihanna, because it undermines their intelligence. It undermines their competence. It undermines their ability to do the job. Black people are hired off of being proven. White people are hired off potential, right? So somebody white can come in the job and like, you know what? He can probably do a good job. Black people Mm -hmm. have to come educated, stacked, experienced, not only experienced, North American, Canadian experience. Don't come over here with your immigrant experience. Anybody don't want none of that. So the fact that you're saying I'm a diversity hire undermines everything I have done to deserve this. Because I couldn't have been here if I wasn't overqualified to begin with. Exactly. <laughs> so don't That's do that. That's what it is. You have to be underqualified to make to make a qual to make the state of qualifications for you to be considered. Mm-hmm. Once you are considered, then it's like, okay, well, what do we want to do here? And you know, once that's out of your hands, are are you what are you betting to? And you know, looking at the person who is a BIPOC member who doesn't get the job. And mm-hmm. loses out when they're overqualified. That that is where you're you're really just pushing the that that sore deeper and deeper, because it's it, you're you're telling them, hey, you know, we're understanding the shift and like and thank you for applying and mm-hmm. you know we we you are overqualified for this position, but we just we just feel there's a better fit, there's a better fit with someone else, and it's and that's how you know organizations the ones who are, are in those positions and making those decisions wrongfully yeah it, it really shows that they're not hopping on this this cultural shift and they're in this mindset that hey you know the rest of the world can do what it wants to with Whatever this black Lives matters do. but you know we're gonna stick to what we've been doing what we know because that's how we like it you know i urge anybody who <laughs> has been told that they're overqualified. Look at the people. Look at the people who are telling you that. Look at their qualifications. Basically, they're telling you, if I bring you in here, you go make me look like an ass that I can't do my job. So we ain't about you coming up in here and shaking this up. Because what you're going to do is ruin my status quo that I'm comfortable with, and it's going to be a problem. So this overqualification argument don't get me wrong. In some instances, like you are going to get there, you are going to get bored because the job doesn't like elevate you enough. But there are opportunities for people who are quote unquote overqualified to shake stuff up. And it's a shakeup that people don't want. So it's not necessarily a slight at you. I heard somebody say a quote the other day that was, it just sits in my soul. It says, do not take rejection personally, right? Because you don't know what that person was doing to preserve themselves while they rejected you. And in those situations, people who are rejecting you because you're overqualified is because they don't want to have to step up their game. They're good cruising where they are. And you're going to come in here with your overqualifications and shake it up. And they know they're about to lose and nobody wants to lose. That's exactly it. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, I, I love that you have such a way of not just communicating points, but just hammering it home over and over and over and over and over again. 
there's no one who's going to listen to this episode and come back and tell me that that didn't resonate with them, no matter who they are, no matter who they are. And so, you know, I know, I know we've, I've got you here for a while. So I wanted to, to wrap this up and, and just right. say, you know, thank you for coming on the show. And we definitely have to have you back again to continue these conversations. Anytime. You know? And we need to give a plug out to BSB. Any, any BIPOC yes! members interested in sports, you guys know you got to look them up. LinkedIn. They're on, they got a website too. It, it's got really cool stuff. I'll throw everything in the episode show notes. You guys can check it out. Um, definitely a great initiative there. And not only look into it, but share it with other people, you know, because that's exactly how it's going to yes. grow. Right. The so sharing exactly part. We gotta do. Fundamental. Thanks, Rihanna. Yes. Sharing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. No, I got you. All right, guys. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. You know where to find us at Interrupting Sports on all social media. See you guys next week. That wraps up the end of episode three, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as I did. I learned so much from Marsha Gay. It was a delight having her on the show. Like we mentioned, guys, please go support Black and Sports Business, BSB. You can find them on Instagram. And let us know how you found this episode. Hit us up at Interrupting Sports on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, guys. With that, we'll see you next week on YouTube. Thanks, guys.